that's just little things that you can build into your daily routine. You know, getting enough sleep, getting enough water, or it's just eating right. The stuff that takes away the whole intense physicality of going out and doing a workout. When they look at it and they go, oh, I can't even do that. That guy's so ripped or he's, or that girl's so strong and she can do this. Well, it's not about that. It's about I'm just going to make the little steps. If it's walking to the shops, I'm going to go and maybe walk the block. Then I'm going to actually walk to go and meet my friend for coffee or I'm going to go walk to lunch and then, oh, I'm actually going to run. So I might run to work today or I might run in the morning and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this actually makes me feel all right. All the endorphins start to get released and you're like, oh, that's what I did. Trying to just build up slowly. I think a lot of people think that they're sitting on the couch and they don't know what they're going to be doing in terms of any sort of exercise. They're like, I don't even know how to start, but that's how you start. You start from the little things, like build it into your daily routine. That is strength and conditioning coach, entrepreneur and men's health fitness director, Todd Lubinskis. And this is episode 278 of the Osher Gensberg podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 278 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is my show that's, uh, yeah, done 277 other episodes before now. This episode is with Todd Lubinskis. You can find him on Instagram. He's at Toddy Binskis, T-O-W-E-Y-B-I-N-S-K-S. More about Todd in, in just a second. If you're new, welcome to the show. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Osher. Uh, sometimes I, I'm on the telly, counting roses sometimes. Sometimes I write books. Sometimes I just eat plants. Well, all the time I just eat plants. Uh, I ride a bike. I lift a kettlebell. Uh, sometimes I play a live show, but right now I'm doing this podcast. And if you're new to this show, welcome. Glad you're here. What is this podcast? Well, it's simply a conversation designed to help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. That's it. Something you'll hear in the next hour in a bit. Guarantee. I guarantee it's going to make you go, ah, oh, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And try something new. That's what I'm here for. Just to make today a little bit better than yesterday. A massive thank you to everybody that is getting along to the shows that are coming up. Uh, this weekend, the tickets are for the Canberra gig. Tickets for the Canberra gig are going fast. So um, we're playing a show at the Canberra Theatre under a tent in the forecourt. All shows are meet and greets. Um, it's a storytelling show uh, that I wrote with Zoe Norton Lodge about my book. And um, there's a few songs thrown in there that Mike Mills and I put together, the Mike Mills who does the music for this show, just to get us through the sticky parts. There's merch on sale at all gigs. There's books on sale at all gigs. I'll sign your stuff. We'll get a photo. It'll be great. Canberra this Sunday. We'll go on the Gold Coast next weekend, 19th to 20th. I know it's Easter weekend, but if you're around, I would dearly love to see you there. I must thank you very much to all the brilliant podsies that came through through the week. Hashtag P-O-D-S-I-E. What is that? It's a photo of what you're looking at right now. You're probably listening to this on a phone, so just whip it out, the phone that is, and take a photo of what you're looking at and just send it to me. Tag me on Instagram or shoot me an email. It's always good to to find out where you listen to the show. You, this show, you listen to the show in the very best places from doing well needed to be doing dishes, which is what I love to do when I'm doing listening to podcasts. That's my main podcast consumption time is working out or cleaning out. That's pretty much it. The cockpit of a Royal Flying Doctor plane, a Royal Flying Doctor plane at 26,000 feet. 
soaring through the air to save the day like an actual superhero. Someone, uh, one of the pilots listens to the show. And um, Sam sent me a brilliant pic of her dog, which looks like a GSP or a, a Waimarama. Her dog is called Alfie. Sam's a lecturer in sociology and education and was listening to the Christina Hoff Summers episode. Sent me a great response that I'd love to read for you. I've attached a picture of what I'm seeing while listening to your recent episode, Feminism Facts and Being Confronted with Christina Hoff Summers. As a sociologist and a feminist, I'm finding it challenging to swallow Summers' tripe, she uses the word. Her argument that we all make free choices, just to take one example, rests on the assumption that we are entirely autonomous, unfettered individuals disconnected from the discourses, power, relations, histories, and structures that is cultural, financial, legal, that circumscribe and shape our so-called free choices. Trust me, I could go on. Her argument is full of holes. You should invite another feminist in for a chat as a follow-up. It's also rather disturbing the way she co-opts blatantly patriarchal language to imply that there's a binary when it comes to feminism, that is, her rational, equitable orientation or violent, radical, bra-burning approaches. I was just so cheesed off with her problematic lines of reasoning that I had to write in. Other than that, love the show. I'll usually listen while I'm running. Thanks so much for that. I really appreciate that that you listened and that you took the time to write that to me. And and yeah, I'm grateful that we had Christina on the show. I think it's important that we, we, we listen and learn from people that we might not agree with, even if it is just to make us go, okay, well, how can we how can we figure it out? How can we get to know this person and the person behind these ideas to see how we might be able to figure it out? Um, I'm really stoked that you wrote in. And um, uh, please do get back to me. I'd love you to get back to me with, with um, an idea of who I could get in to discuss such things. I do want to check in with you this week. Um, yeah, I was a bit out of sorts, I'm not going to lie. I was a de- bit out of sorts because um, – I was dealing with a few angry people on the internet. To be honest, I did start it. It was my fault. I wrote about our vet commenting that locals up in Bondi were avoiding vaccinating their dogs because they were worried about autism in their dogs. That was the factual part of what happened. And then my judgment is what started it. I then wrote, this is why we can't have nice things. Now, that was the picture that I posted. And then in the text below, I went on to ask how we might actually engage with someone who's so massively anti-vax and how their belief is not unlike, I feel, not unlike cult indoctrination in that once they're past a certain point of belief, any evidence to contrary their position or anything that is a question is seen as heresy and might even drive them further away with the thought going, oh, they told me you'd tell me that. Or, you know, it's the fake news move, right? So it was a heavy day, many people spitting bile at anti-vaxxers, which I didn't want, but I did start it. I felt quite bad about that. However, there was one interaction that I would like to share with you. It came through on the DMs on Instagram, and it did help me, really help me understand what I was trying to understand. Help me try to understand, like, how do I have this conversation um, with someone who is so down that line, so down that path, that it might be difficult for them to to, to come back around around the other side. Now I'm just getting my phone out because I want to want to read it out on my phone. But I'm going to um I'm going to change the names and the locations because I want you to uh, I want to make sure that they you know just anonymize it. But it's the same. It's exactly the same conversation. So this person wrote. So it's a woman. She wrote. Uh, Hi, Asha. Just touching base on your post. I think firstly, as always, coming from a place of compassion helps. I think people who choose not to vaccinate their kids or dogs come from a place of fear, but also love. Love for this child, this animal, and fear that something happening to them, an adverse reaction or death, and them being responsible for that. 
There's also a lot of very scary information about who funds these things and what the overall agenda of vaccinations are. I'm a mother of two young children, fully vaccinated. And I was once in this dilemma, scared if I do, scared if I don't, not sure what I believed. I guess people aren't choosing death over autism. It's more that they truly don't believe in vaccines. And I wrote back, you know, which I then, you know, put up later that week. You know, I wrote back, you know, my, I've made a mistake. I am right and you are stupid is a terrible way to make an argument. All right. It doesn't work. And I, I, I really want to be able to reframe how I have these conversations in the future. And the lady was very kind and she continued. Yes, it's very true. Judgment for one's choices only creates segregation. And we all know no progress is made through divide. Us versus them, vax versus anti-vax is not the way forward. And she's right. She's absolutely right. And, you know, she goes on to explain how she was living in a part of Australia where there are a group of people, I guess, a part of the community, a significant part of the community that choose to not vaccinate. And there's a lot of information, be it true or not true, there is a lot of information that she was exposed to that was very, very scary going on about adverse reactions and death and it was all very fearful. And she was gut-wrenchingly sick over whether to vaccinate or not. She was afraid of what would happen if I did, terrified of what would happen if she didn't. She was very fortunate to have the head nurse at the local hospital spend many long phone calls, many emails back and forth, meetings with her and her children to talk me over her concerns and fears. She talked to me with compassion and understanding and knew I was a mother who deeply loved her child and quite frankly was terrified due to the flood of information on the internet. I guess what I'm saying is because of this kind, caring, educated woman this nurse telling me the story of how she herself held her own baby son on the way from a rural area down into the hospital, struggling to breathe due to contracting a disease which is now on the immunisation schedule and how she never wished that upon any parent. Because of that story, my children are now immunised. We together created a schedule for the immunisations that I was comfortable with and once I saw with my own eyes that my children were fine and nothing happened, I cannot tell you the weight off my shoulders. I'm forever thankful for her and the compassion she showed me in such a vulnerable time. I went on to ask her if there was anything about the conversation that this nurse did, if she repeated anything or kept bringing her back to any particular point. Like, I know it's frightening and that you want to do the right thing or something. And she wrote back. She didn't acknowledge as such that it was frightening, more so expressed her upset at the information that led me to being frightened. I was only 26. It was my first child, a natural inclined mother, and the information I had quote unquote researched had led me to the conclusion that I was taking away my rights or doing harm to my child by injecting toxins into his body. She expressed her upset at our local area, which is, I believe, the most unvaccinated area in Australia, when her life's work was to protect children. Her approachability was everything. She became a motherly figure to me as I knew she genuinely cared about my child, myself and our well-being. I believed her and trusted her. I guess I was different as I was never anti-vax. I was anti-anything that was going to hurt my child, which included deadly diseases and the adverse reactions of vaccines. If the nurse had treated me like I was a fool and a bad mother, I would have put my guard up and I wouldn't have trusted her to move forward. One thing that did coming up was the alternative of what I was afraid of. I wasn't so much afraid of the, you know, the things that anti-vaxxers go on about other, you know, the adverse reactions. I was afraid of my child not ever being the same after the vaccination. When I would say, what if he seizures? What if he's never the same again? The nurse and other people in my life just said, 
Well, what if he gets whooping cough? Have I ever seen a baby with whooping cough? Truthfully, I hadn't. I think to get people back on the side of reality, as I asked, I think we need to firstly understand what led them to being on the other side in the first place. What are they concerned with? Do they not believe the government? Are they afraid of, in this example, autism? Have they been for the child's first immunisation and their child had a, a reaction? Do they see it all as unnatural? Or are they scared that something will happen to their child? Firstly, identifying their fear, empathising with that, acknowledging. It comes from a place of love, then where to go from there, showing the alternative of what they think and that vaccines are the answer. Sorry if I stumbled a bit there. I was just, as we ran, I was trying to anonymise it, so I had to pull a few things out here and there. Um, But I was super grateful that she wrote. I was just so grateful that she took the time to share her story with me and it really has given me, and and indeed I hope you, it might have given you as well, at least a template, at least an understanding of how to approach someone who's backed into a corner or even understand when you are yourself backed into a corner, whether it be about vaccines, immigration, climate change. I'm going to do my best to follow that model from now on. It does feel to me a lot less icky. I'm right and you're stupid. It doesn't work. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't get us anywhere. And when I do that, I don't get the kind of icky sensation that I'm trying to fight away an angry flock of bats in my phone every time I open it. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right for now anyway. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So let me tell you about my guest today. Todd Lubinskis is a strength and conditioning coach, entrepreneur, and the new fitness director at Men's Health Magazine. He's also the founder of Let's Get Going, a nonprofit mentor and experience program. They, they aspire to promote the health and well-being of adults from the age of 18 on with an intellectual or physical challenge. One of their goals is to provide a fitness program that will be fun, safe, and enhance social relationships as well as establishing a pattern of physical activity to promote wellness throughout adult life. Now, Todd is also involved in a rapidly exploding grassroots fitness community called The 440, which originated... Uh, down the road uh, from us uh, at a beach in Sydney called Bronte and um, is now starting to spread 
very rapidly. Now, despite his bolder shoulders and abs that look like a plate of smooth river rocks perfectly arranged in a fancy design magazine, one of Todd's big focus points is on how he can share the benefits of moving your body with those who might not move their body much, if at all, if ever. He works with many people to help inspire them to get moving, to get access to that physical and mental benefit of moving. Now, on the back of my chat with Tanya Hennessy last week, if you're looking to get moving, even just a little bit, Todd has some words for you, even for your kids, if you have teenage kids who, who you're concerned about. You can find him online. Instagram is a good spot. Toddy Binskis, T-O-D-D-Y-B-I-N-S-K-S. You can follow the hashtag the 440, T-H-E-440. You can check out what that's all about. It's pretty interesting. And of course, check out his work with Men's Health online or in the magazine. Enjoy this conversation with Todd Lubinskis. How are you, Todd? Good. Yeah. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Now, I, I, I want to see if I can get my Lithuanian chops. Uh, oh, here we go. Lubinskis? Lubinskis. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know a little bit like Labus. Labus. Yeah, I only know Garai. That's it. What's Garai? Oh, uh, it's like the yellow of Lithuanian. And I know Ishvekata. What's that? Cheers. <laughs> and Prashal is please. Oh, yeah. That's all. Yes, yeah, I remember yeah, that now. Yeah. I remember that. We never, like, we, my grandmother lived with us. It was my dad's mum, so it was mostly Czech at home. Yeah. So mum never spoke Lithuanian really around us. Um, well, I, my grandparents, like, so. Dad's mum is Lithuanian, and Dad's d- original father was Lithuanian, but stepdad was German. Uh huh. So at Christmas time, it was a mix of yeah. Lithuanian, a bit of like Russian, yeah, yeah, um, and a little bit of German. Yeah, that would fly around the table. So, how did your dad's, your grandmother, how did she come out? Uh, she had to vacate. Yeah, so, was that like nineteen? When did she arrive? Uh, good question. Um, 40, maybe uh, 50. Yeah, sounds yeah, about right. 50s, early yeah, yeah. 50s. Were they I in think? Germany beforehand? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so they had to vacate out of Lithuania, yeah. got occupied, and then she's written a bunch of memoirs. Yeah, and, really important. Yeah. Because so. they, they prob- I wonder if they, they might they might have known the, I don't know, do they come to straight to Sydney or do they go to Adelaide or Melbourne? They went to, I'm pretty sure they went to Melbourne. Yeah. I think, but I'll, I'll have to triple check. Yeah, because someone, uh, someone actually reached I've gotta out. I've got to get a hand on my wet memo- on those memoirs. You do? Yeah. You really do? Yeah. It's all in the National Archives. The passenger manifests are all in the National Archives. But my grandmother has written her own version. What? Yeah. yeah. So there's a- Man, you've got to get that because my, my mum- my mum died um, and only in the last year and a half or two years would she talk about what happened after they left Lithuania. She was three when they left. So yeah. there was plenty of stories about what happened yeah. while they were there under the German occupation. Yeah. And then, like, we all know how bad the Nazis were. But when they found out the Russians were coming, they went, oh, we're out of here then. Like, how fucking bad must that have been? Yeah. How bad is it that the Nazis are the better choice? <laughs> well, as we're talking about it, I'm actually going to her 95th yeah. birthday this Sunday. Oh, rad. So I'll, I'll actually get the copy. Yes. And um, I know there's a there's a, a passage in there that that they, t- they were taking on fire from a plane, like shooting at them and things like that. Like, it's gnarly. Like, I'll, if I get a copy, I'll, I'll send it. I'll, I'll give it to you. You can have a read of it. I have goosebumps because my mum tells the same story. 
Yeah. They were. That's what that's. I wonder if they were in the same column of people because they all left together. What town did they were they in? Uh, Kaunas. Kaunas? Kaunas. Yeah, that's where my mom. I wonder if they were in the same column of Dude, refugees. this could be. They probably were. It, 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 I would imagine it's not a big city. Like it's not. No. And so Vilnius and then you draw, you go out. So we went. We didn't go to Kalnius, but we got wow. the train passed and yeah. we like got told this is where it is. I'll check. Like, Mate, because my mum tells the same story in that they were just – because they used my grandfather's cavalry horse. Um, they hitched it to the farm cart and they, they just walked for so months. So what's the uh, maiden name? Makujas. So Wunderlich. Wunderlich is – I'll have to ask my aunt. She's the only one that can remember all that stuff. Okay. She's the only one that my uncle died as well, so there's only one. Yeah, left. yeah. I'll find out. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm literally going up there on Sunday. Because mum tells the story that there was this, this column of people, this column of – and because they were fleeing with the retreating German army. now. That's weird. Yeah, because they were fleeing with the retreating yeah. German army. They got uh, uh, sprayed by a British plane. Yeah. Because as far as Brits was concerned, that was enemy. So I'm not sure what plane it was, but yeah. um, that's because I've had – my cousins have read it and they were sort of yeah. reciting passages Mom from it. Mum talks about everyone just diving off the road into the ditches and that, you know, because her parents were both doctors and then it's like, well, there's nothing we could do. This like – Yeah, you got to go. Yeah, there's dead people everywhere and there's nothing we could – fuck full on, man, right? And we well, think about – and here we are like – <laughs> oh, I don't know what I'm. Which Deliveroo will I have tonight? <laughs> right, you know we're like. Oh, it's so hard for us. A man of oh man, just forty five <laughs> minutes from my Desmond Gomez to arrive. Fuck. Yeah, you know. Yeah, totally. And this was the things that our ancestors did, our mm. relatives, people who are alive right now, did for us. Yeah. So that knowing that, well, whatever comes next, we have to make it better than what is this, what this is. Yeah. And we can't forget that and that this country was built by people who did that, all right? And look, I, I feel very strongly on, I was just thinking about that on my bike morning, this morning, I'm like riding through the rain like a Viking and yeah. um, I love it when it rains and I'm on my bicycle, I feel tough. I'm not, but I feel it. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah. You know, when you think about, well, who, who, who built the country that we have right now is, yeah, it's is immigrant immigration. All right? totally. Immigrants came, and to change, you know, your tone of, well, this immigrant's better than that immigrant, that immigrant because of the color of their skin. It's like, well, fuck, come on, buddy. You know. <laughs> well, there's a reason you go to pockets, even in even in Sydney. Like you go to pockets in Sydney where it's you've got the best Chinese food, you got the best Lebanese food, you yeah, got yeah. the best this and this. That's that's the reason, right? Yeah. And there, there shouldn't be any sort of attack on anyone like that in terms of the way they look or feel or whatever. Yeah. Like it just, you, everyone should just be the same with everyone. Well, I know, right? about it. Well, when, when mum arrived, because they'd been living in Germany in a refugee camp, they were only really spoke German because that was the common language around yeah. from all everyone in Europe who ended yeah. up there. It was like, well, we'll all speak German because we're here. Yeah. And so, yeah, they were just horribly abused and, you know, that's why I ended up with uh, originally me and my brothers all ended up with really dull Anglo names yeah, because right. they were so, so abused at school. They're like, no fucking way. We're giving them a weird walk name. No. Because it'll, yeah, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. All my cousins got the really great florid, <laughs> you know, Tierra and, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, Quintaros is my other cousin. Right. He's got like the proper litho. Have you been back? You've been back? I've never been, no. You've never been? I've never been, no. Dude. I didn't manage to make it before, before mum passed away. I got over there when I was 21. Whoa. So uh, I lived in London for a year and then um, 
went over there and we went through Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, like down that whole eastern oh, wow. yeah. eastern block. And we went and I was with my, my grandmother at the time. Like she's still here, 95th birthday on, on Sunday. Yeah. She took us around to see all the ancestors Whoa. in the cemetery and did the full tour. Whoa. And I met like 14 people from my family that I'd never met in my life. Fantastic. It was cool. That's, that's a, I don't think they've fared very well after the war came down. It's, there's still part like economically it was, quite tough there. Yeah, I think now it's gotten a lot better. But when I was there, so I'm 35. That was nearly 14 years ago. Um, I was yeah, there, so. quite tough. Yeah, yeah, quite because they were the. That's why they wanted Lithuania because it was the cold water port. Yep. That they could access. Yep. The Russians, at least. Yeah, yep. it's very. Uh, I've got to. I've got to get up there. I really do, but I think there's some relos still around. But I think I've got a cousin over there actually. Cousin over there. Yeah. It's just, it's cool. I, I, and I, I haven't been back for that long, but it'd be cool to go back now and see yeah. what it was like. And then, but they've still, they still do tours and there's still mm. parts of things that sort of they left there as a reminder of the war. And Well, yeah. I mean, it was, it got very, very heavy there. The, the Germans were, at the time, the Nazis, I should say, the yeah. Nazis were experimenting with, huh, people kind of go along with this. If, you know, if we say that's the bad person, we should kill him. Everyone kind of does. This is rad. Let's try it. Yeah. It's horrible to say, yeah. but yeah. that's kind of where that kind of mass extermination of people mm-hmm. began. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, full tilt. When you were young, when you were a kid, did you grow up here in, in Sydney? Yeah. Yeah. So I was in a West. In a West. So how, how early on were you aware that your heritage was different from other people around you? Uh, just at Christmas time, like I'd always go up and my mum's Cortes with the twelve dishes and all that. Yeah, the like, yeah, the smoked eel and the whole oh, like yeah. gefilte fish, man. They the whole it. thing, yeah, they it was, it. and breaking bread and all that sort of stuff. And that was more dad's side, but mum's side was um, Irish, Scottish, so predominantly Australian. Yeah. Um. So there wasn't much tradition, mm. I guess, on on that side. But in that's when I started to realise, oh, okay, yeah. It's a little bit different. We do things on Christmas Eve. We go and sort of open the presents. That presents like, early, early, and then best part of being a Euro, right? And then, you, and then, it, and then it was like, oh no, we do that. But then, as my family and cousins and relatives started to move away, yeah, that sort of broke down a little bit more, and people started to get older and things yeah. like that. But yeah, it was probably like four or five. I started to. Yeah, understand that, which was pretty cool. Get an idea. Yeah, and eating like they had, my nan made the best gingerbread house. Oh man! So I would just like take that to town every Christmas Eve, the, <laughs> not be able to sleep. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but there was this this is an extremely light pastry that they make around Christmas time in Lithuanians, and they cover it in icing sugar. It, it's crunchy, but then it just melts inside your mouth. Yeah, I can't have it now because I'm like diagnosed celiac <laughs> but I remember it just yeah. being yeah exactly like where did it all go and there's me lying on the ground just yeah like, sore stomach <laughs> like a Labrador <laughs> fetal position <laughs> yeah so um, yeah it was about yeah it's four or five and like mum and dad would always take me up and yeah so that was always always pretty cool what, what uh, now your, your dad was a, a pro sportsman well as pro as it could be, yeah. At the time, at the time, so yeah. early seventies, um, played rugby league for Western Suburbs. And Please tell me he had a moustache or a beard. He had a moustache. Fuck yes. He, I'll, I'll find a photo while we're talking. But he, um, <laughs> he, he looked like the paddle pop lion. So you know the paddle pop yeah. lion. Yeah. So long hair. Yeah. Um, moustache. Uh, played for West. Played in the era of like Tommy Radonigas and Les Boyd and 
where it was kind of tough to to play in that in those sort of circumstances. He had to have a day job. He was, you know, working um, telecommunications for Telstra. But I think at these early, like he's early at like 16, 17, that's when he started to go into up, up of the grades. And then yeah. outside of that, he had to, you know, go and get qualified and study and, and do all that sort of yeah. stuff outside of the job. Yeah. Outside of, sorry, outside of footy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was him. So, and, and then he sort of, he played a bit of basketball throughout that time and stuff Lithos like that. Lithos love it because they're all that just giant Viking they're massive humans. Yep. yep. They're giant people. Yep. <laughs> and so that's where I sort of got um, got a lot of that from. So I'll, I'm just going to find this photo. Oh, wait, we're Googling. Because you, you, you need to see I, this. I need to get – hang on, let me get the specs on, mate. Um, yeah, so um, that's where I got a lot of that sporting um, prowess from, from dad. But also my mum was an aerobics instructor. What? Yeah, and a teacher. So – Hang on a sec. I'm just getting a shot here. <laughs> oh, man. Look at that. Look at that. So he's literally like I'm getting shown a photo right now because when, when I asked, does he have a mustache, I was hoping, is it on a bubblegum card? Yes, it's on a bubblegum card. Um, yeah. That is fantastic. Yeah. The, the mustache and hair situation here, um, I can only imagine the wink and the smile when he first saw your mum. Uh, <laughs> right. It's a bit Tom Selleck-esque. It really is. Right, but longer hair. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. sure Selleck had that at some point. Yeah, That's fantastic. So that was him. Um, but, yeah, that was that was mum and that was mum and dad, I guess. And An I, aerobics instructor. That's how they met? Uh, I don't know. I think they met at Concord RSL. Uh-huh. It was an RSL. Like, like, that was the place to go. It was like the ivy of the 70s Whoa. I'm, I'm assuming yeah and they'd go and yeah meet that's where they met so and so um, she was like at the time an, an emerging fitness fad yeah mum was like mum had always so she left school and started working with special needs kids um, at a place called Chalmers Road um, and at that time of when she was probably out of school was more Down syndrome as the yeah. um, special need and then just some learning um, difficulties and things like that. So mum was always a teacher and then moved into um, becoming a teacher as well. As, uh-huh. So she's a full qualified teacher now. So, right. Um, and was she doing um, the physicality with those kids as well? A little bit, yeah. I think she – I remember well, – I've probably before before I was born, but I know, definitely know when I was born she'd do like water aerobics and things where they'd get them in the water and and just make it more um, enjoyable to move and yeah. um, put music behind it and yeah bring that in. So I think yeah she was she was doing that as well. Wow! Yeah. So cool. very early on, physicality and and moving and exercise was a part of who yeah. you were. Yeah. Well, because and then like going from like. Palm Beach Sand Hills and running around and like because just following dad like I'd be like oh, that's the norm I'd get up on Saturday Sunday and we'd be up we'd be surfing or running or doing something yeah so it was cool that was, did you go to the games uh, he was done by the time I finished oh. oh sorry by the time I was born sorry um, he was finished by then so um, he had a bad knee injury um, and then went up and played for your minor bunnies I believe up Central Coast yeah so he was done but then he you know, he got into coaching and uh-huh. was still a part of like West and, and uh-huh. football club, still a part of it now. Right. So, um, yeah, I grew up like being around footy players and around the environment and stuff like that. So, did and was it foregone conclusion that you'd play as well? I, yeah, I think, I don't think he would have cared yeah. if I did or not, but I was naturally going to go play because yeah. I was throwing a football around at like three or four. Uh huh. 
Um, and then that filtered into like basketball and touch football and I was doing athletics and swimming and All right. you name it, I was doing it. Triathlons. Really? Yeah. So from when you were a kid? Uh, no, I started doing triathlons when I was about 15, 16. Rad. Yeah, it was cool. Run around my, my little budgie smugglers. <laughs> um, so that was cool. And then I see I see the young kids like the young tri teams uh, run on uh, Centennial Park occasionally, and they just can't make those bikes that small. And yeah. so you get these little kids on these bikes that are just way too big for them. massive bikes. Yeah, with <laughs> yeah. the seat right down. Yeah, yeah. probably little, like little humans. Yeah, and these, like, you know they'll grow into the bike. Yeah, but you just, they just won't make a bike that little. Yeah, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of funny. Oh, and and I I remember the first triathlon I did was out at Cornell. Yeah, and I went out there, and I, I remember jump like I was so scared of being in the like in that water, sharks and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But then after that, it was fine. Like it that's was actually, the southern tip of Botany Bay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, full on, full on. So when when you were at school, was it the was it the thing of like you've got to play for your school first, and your school teams take priority and all yeah, that? Yeah. So I went to St Pat's College at Stratfield, um, and I would just. I would play rugby union on the Saturday, rugby league on the Sunday. That's confusing. Yep. Um, but that was cool. <laughs> I, I, I did that for a few years. And then when I got into the more the senior years, I went just into rugby. Um, played basketball in the summer, did athletics in the summer, swimming in the summer. Man. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was like all on. Trying to do everything. So when it came time to think about education past school, was that like, that's nah, it? Uh, I wanted to go and I wanted to be a chef when I was in like year 10 or 11. Um, and then that quickly sort of fizzled out when I just went, well, no, I really like this sport thing. And yeah. I wanted to go into sports journalism, believe it or not. Um, and then didn't, didn't get myself there. I kind of went the long way around, graduated at school and was still playing I was playing basketball pretty high level yeah um, so I played ABA for for northern suburbs in the effort I wanted to get to the Kings and do all yeah. that sort of stuff but yeah left school and went went into a career job yeah. so I was like well I needed money yeah and I didn't really want to go to uni and do all that sort of stuff so I wanted to follow the sporting angle and just get money and yeah go that way yeah but I was always wanting to train people and help people yeah. I think like that was kind of where I wanted to be. What did you get out of what, – why, why helping people? Because um, I think I got a lot of help when I was going through school and when I was playing football. Um, I got a lot of help from, like, a lot of my dad's mates, a lot of my, um, it, like, circle of friends and family that would push – not push me but sort of give me that advice to go, okay, well, it's okay if you're not that good at this or you can go into that direction. Um, and my mum was always – of a sort of helping and helping nature with, with the work that she did. Um, and then I naturally just got people that would go, hey, you train pretty well or, like, you look pretty fit. Like, what are you doing? Like, can you sort of help me do that? And it was kind of just a natural progression. Yeah. So I was like, well, I can probably make a little bit of money out of this. And I was always doing it on the side, though. I never had it as my go-to out of school because I was like, oh, I, I kind of want to – I don't know if I can do that right now. I didn't sort of have the confidence to go out and go on my own. So I, I went into a corporate job at a digital sales company, and then, but I was still training people on the side. And so it was kind of like I was hedging my bets. Mm. I didn't know which direction I really wanted to go. But, yeah, I think helping people came from mum and dad because yeah. they were always doing that and always wanting to help people. So what? what it, besides the cash, all right, which is cash, <laughs> Yeah. what – do you feel inside you 
when you help someone? Oh, there's gratification. Like you, you, you see the look on someone's face when they, well, they first come to you and they're like, oh, I really want to do like a pull-up or they want to like do a push-up or there's people I train now that physically can't get themselves off the ground. So just seeing like progression and seeing an end goal and going, oh, hey, we, we actually did that together. That's, that's the reason why we do it. And it's it's a, it's a, the it's the reason behind everything I'm doing sort of today. Like there's no, you can get paid all the money in the world. It wouldn't really matter. But if you even with from the the work I do with kids right through the work I do with adults, like the look on someone's face when they actually get something right is priceless. <laughs> so yeah, it's unreal. When you say you're tr- talking with people, because I mean I it's no secret. Like on this show, I talk a lot about I talk about mental health and I talk about. Um, I just try and share my own journey of like what, since I've been off meds, what physicality has helped me do. And certainly like it, it helped me a lot when I was on meds and um, until my until I got quite sick and yeah. the, the jogging wasn't cutting it anymore and I really needed some help <laughs> um, uh, and a lot of it. Uh, but yeah. I, I, do talk, I do talk about it a lot on this show, yet I'm very, very aware that I've got the benefit of, I think, what I started first getting active as a human probably around about 19 mm-hmm. right so i've got you know, 26 years of of moving but i know very very well that there's people who've like they don't own a pair of running shoes they don't own a piece of clothing that they might think i can go for a do something exercisey in this yep how and therefore the barrier to begin is so massive i'll stay on the couch mm-hmm. i'll sit here and just zombie scroll through my phone looking at pictures of people that look fitter than me yep. and feeling sad yep what, how do you move from that space? How do you – what's – because, you know, the, the hardest part of moving any object is the initial inertia to get it moving. Yeah. So how do you even begin to approach that? And the hard thing is when it comes to that point is a lot of people when it's, it's normally a little bit too late in terms of something's happened. It's either resulted into a, like a heart attack or it's resulted into an injury or something totally health-related that puts you into hospital and you're like, I need to make a decision. So if it's not that person and if anyone's listening now and they, they feel like they can't get up and make that, uh, make that step, just telling yourself in your head that you actually get up and need to move without physically doing it is the first step. So I think that's the number one thing to actually tell yourself that actually you can get up and walk down the street or you can go and park the car outside the shopping center and walk in. That's a start. And it's just little things that you can build into your daily routine or it's, you know, getting enough sleep or it's getting enough water or it's just eating right. The stuff that takes away the whole intense physicality of going out and doing a workout. When they look at it and they go, oh, I can't even do that. That guy's so ripped or he's, or that girl's so strong and she can do this. Well, it's not about that. It's about how do you tell yourself that I'm just going to make the little steps and increase and increase and increase and gradually you'll get into maybe it's if it's walking to the shops, I'm going to go and maybe walk the block. Then I'm going to actually walk to go and meet my friend for coffee or I'm going to go walk to lunch and then, oh, I'm actually going to run. So I might run to work today or I might run in the morning and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this actually makes me feel all right. All the endorphins start to get released and you're like, oh, that's what I did. And then it's just trying to just build up slowly. I think a lot of people think that 
they're sitting on the couch and they don't know what they're going to be doing in terms of any sort of exercise. They're like, well, I don't even know how to start, but that's how you start. You start from the little things, like build it into your daily routine and build it into your, your activity instead of going, I'm going to go run 5Ks. Oh, I don't want to There's no way I can run 5Ks. And I, I speak to people all the time, even from like running the 440, people are like, no, you guys are too fit. You know, we're not going to come down. And um, and it's, it's not about that. It's about just telling yourself that you can get up at a certain time and come and walk or just gradually build up and, and, and get yourself to that level. So um, I think it's starting really small. And is uh, what's interesting there is that giving yourself permission to recognize that because we see we're so bombarded with images and now moving images on Instagram and Facebook or whatever of videos, mate. Just impossible CrossFit routines. You just go, what the fuck? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, no. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, Hand, handstand walks and handstand push-ups. Uh, and like you look at stuff like that, and you're like, okay, like yes, that could be classified as exercise, right? Yeah. At the same time, that this apple right here and. A, you know, a Big Mac, a thick shake and fries is, they're both food. Yep. <laughs> you yep. know? Yep. So, yes, they're both exercise. But d- just the, this, just, I just want to get, a, make sure I get you right. Like, if you're in that space of, because then it's a horrible loop of, I'm a piece of shit. And I know this because I've felt this when I've yep. been in the, in the, I've lost a lot of weight three times. I'm in my third phase of keeping it off. And this is the longest it's ever been. And it's really quite good. Yep. But I've been on the, yeah, you know, on the other end. I'm disgusting. I'm so disgusted with myself. I'm not going to move. In yep. fact, you know what makes me feel better? Eating food. Now I'm eating food. I'm disgusting. And you're in that loop yep. of like, I'm so disgusted. I'm going to eat some food. And then you just, you just got to break the cycle. And then I'm in track pants because <laughs> it's all, you know, yeah. that's what happens. And yeah. it has happened and compulsively eating and stuff like that. But I just want to make sure I get it right. So while you may think that I've got to exercise, I've got to get, you know, got to get my shit together. Even just the case of rather than driving into the shopping mall, parking outside, and it could be, it could be like a 70-meter walk. That I exercised. I exercised today. I took 100 steps. 100%. 100%. Yeah, but it, it, even getting yourself in and out of a chair, what are you doing there? You're squatting. It's even walking up and down a flight of stairs when you know that the lift's there, but you've got two options. There's always a choice. Yeah. Wherever you go, wherever there's a building or anything like that, there's always a choice to get yourself to a certain destination or because we've all got to move, we've all got to get to places. Um, so I think it's just changing the way you think about things and going, well, that's a pretty easy option. Maybe I'll just go this one or maybe I'll turn up a little bit earlier so I can walk there. Mm. Or if it's a nice sunny day, like get out there and enjoy the day a little bit more than, you know, rushing to somewhere and being you know, just little things like that. You can start to build and it starts to just retrain the way you're actually thinking about things. Uh, do you know who David Goggins is? Yes. All right. Goggins is big <laughs> on that. Yes. Can you commute under your own power? That's his, his – and, and I, I, you know, if you can put – if you can put some sort of commuting under your own power, it could even be on an e-bike. I don't care. Yeah. Just getting into the wind, you know, just just having – do you have to be here? I've got to go there. What's the way I can d- do it where there's going to be me moving my body yep. more than getting in and out of a car? Yep. All right, and that building up over time. And I think as well it's important to give yourself a reasonable expectation of time. Right. Totally. 
your 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 six pack will not arrive overnight, and that's okay. And yes, and it takes a long time to main like keep it as well. Like you, it, yeah. And having had one once in my life, I can tell you, I kept it no shit for about eighteen hours. That's how long it was there for. Wow. That's how long I was able to maintain that level of ripness. Yeah. And then it was gone. Yeah. I looked bigger like two days later yeah. when I was back on the but, eating carbs again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you went out of pizza. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, having a reasonable expectation of what, what it is you look at, what it is you see when yeah. you see it, someone who's like completely ripped with single-digit yeah. body fats, like that person has the five days before that photo was taken has done such incredible things to their body yeah. and – 27 hours after that photo is taken, they do not look like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and but I talk about a lot of that with with clients and with with guys I, um, that we train and um, throughout my just daily dealings of, of people. I'm like, you, you don't have to have that. That's not whatever you're comfortable with. You're comfortable with if you're happy with that. Obviously, there's there's health risks if you want to go to a, an obese level, but. It's not. It shouldn't be about aesthetics. It's you know. You, you look at all the all our different athletes, the way we're shaped and sized at the moment. Like, I think that they've gone the days of the six pack and the abs. Like people will have them, yes, but it's really important to just worry about: Are you comfortable the way you are, and can you do what you need to do based on what you look like? Fine. There's no, there shouldn't be any. Oh, I need to look like this, or I need to look like that. That's a big thing we try and, and tell a lot of the guys we, we deal with day in day out. Yeah, we've already talked about you know giving yourself credit for those extra hundred steps between where you are once a day. Oh, I exercise yep. today. That's great. Yep. And then I think what you mentioned before as well is just pay attention to how your body feels afterwards. Pay. Oh, hang on. That feels. I feel a goodness. It's, oh, no, that's an endorphin. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel that. That's nice. Yeah. There's an oxytocin coming out. Yeah. 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 I want to do that again. Yeah. All right. And then that's how the loop begins. Totally. The positive feedback loop begins yep. in that direction. What's the food version? Of that, what's the food version of? I'll park outside, or I'll walk to coffee, or I'll I'll walk to go get the kids from school rather than drive. Yeah, so I mean, when you eat a a Big Mac or a McDonald's or some sort of you know um, saturated fat or something like that, you get that oh so good, like everything's feeling amazing, and then all of a sudden it's a crash, or you might pass, you might sleep, or there's like a sugar crash or something like that. The food version of that, that's the bad version, but the good version is all right, I'm eating something and I've got actually, I've got a bit of energy now. I can actually go and stand up or I can get myself to this place and not be puffed or I've got, you know, more um, hydration through my body. And you can see the benefits of that if you do that over a set amount of time. Like you're not going to do it in just one meal every couple of days. It's got to be consistent. It's got to be a de- like you've got to be dedicated to it for a couple of days and um, then you'll start to see some results. You'll sleep better you'll just naturally operate better. It's like putting bad fuel in a Ferrari. You're never going to do it, right? So so would it be along the lines of, oh, I'm going to buy myself a little water bottle, a little steel water bottle, and I'll make sure I drink it twice today. So it yeah. might only be a litre and a half. Is it something like, could it be that little? Totally, yeah. I mean, we all need water. Majority of our, our body functions, you know, 70 to 80% of it is water, right? So um, I say that as I bring in my plastic bottle. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Um, but, yeah, but even like I was desperate for water today, so I had to get water because I was in between meetings and I didn't prepare properly. Yeah. So hence why I got a plastic bottle. But, um, but yeah, it is, it, it is that simple, yeah. you know, hydrate yourself. Yeah. And we forget to. 
like I the, and I've spoken to you before about morning routines and things yeah. like that, like which is about to come out in men's health. Um, I go to the water for like the faucet in the morning and just stick my head under the faucet and drink for 30 seconds because I just know that that's what I have to do because yeah. I get like, you know, between four to five, hopefully six liters a day of water. That's what I do. A, a, a lot of people listening could probably can't fathom good pun there, Ginsburg. Nice one. A lot of people listening <laughs> probably can't. <laughs> I don't even mean that. Let, let's start again. That was good. No, no, I'm keeping that. That's good. Mate. Unfortunately, I don't think my kid knows what a fathom is, but I live to make her eyes roll. I live to make my teenage go, ah, oh, duh. It's the greatest, man. It's I love so, it. When you make the kid groan, you're like, fuck yeah. So I've done my job. Because you annoy them anyway. Yeah. So you're just like, all right, I'll turn it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of people couldn't, couldn't quite comprehend that, you know, drinking six litres of water in a day. Yeah. What's a what's a glass of water is is three hundred maybe three hundred mils right yeah three fifty three hundred mils yeah so that's what eighteen glasses of water a day a lot of people could not probably can comprehend that amount of water but they don't comprehend the two workouts I've done right. already today or um, I walk to places and I, I I'm active I'm always doing something and I just even when I was playing football like we'd weigh ourselves before a session do the session I'd come back I'd lose two three kilograms of um, water. In uh, liters, I mean, sorry. Yeah. So it was. It's just that's the way my body operates. Yeah. A lot of other people, if they haven't had that water consumption, won't know that until they actually do it. Like if you drink too much water, you're going to physically make yourself sick. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of water, but I, that's that's how I got to operate. Well, but that that I like that. That's that's also something that's really really simple for people to do. Yeah. Is just, uh, you know, just drink. Drink four extra glasses of water today. Just like one extra liter of water. Yeah. Drink that, and then see how you feel. Yeah. Plus, you also get a bit of exercise going back and forth to the bathroom. You will. <laughs> yes, you will. Especially <laughs> if the bathroom's upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the key, I guess, as well. It's like how can you put those extra couple of steps yep. between you and where you want to go that will make you exert just a little, just a little bit. Well, just a little bit. I think it's cool too, like all our wearable techs at the moment. Like mm-hmm. I've got like a, a Garmin watch. Good Lord, look at that thing. I oh, know. It's um, it's actually quite cool. Is that the Phoenix? Phoenix one? 5 yeah. uh, Plus. Rich has got one of them. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but even for kids, like there's a, you know, even steps, like having a step challenge. Yeah. And even doing walking meetings, like, and things like that, like just real yeah. simple stuff that you can go. I'm actually doing something. You know, I didn't actually go to the gym, but I could get out and walk for half an hour. Yeah. My cab driver two days ago, older bloke, judging by his accent, probably Hungarian, has had a bypass and he's a cab driver. I'm like, do you, do you keep yeah. keep active? He was, he was telling me he's still on all these meds and I didn't want to talk to him about, you know, <sighs> yeah, you right. know I'm not saying stop eating meat. You can if you want. <laughs> But, you know, I know what that diet's like. I know what that kind of Eastern European diet's like, you know. Well, and sitting in a car all day. Yeah, and he was telling me all the meds he's on. Like, yeah, probably a fair amount of stuff that you could do. Anyway, um, he keeps his, his little phone. Sorry. He, was, yeah. keeps his, um, he showed me his step count. Right. He goes, yeah, look at that. I do 10,000 every day when I'm at the airport waiting for a fare. When he's waiting at the airport for a fare, he just he gets walks. out and does his steps. That's cool. Uh, he, he was in his 70s. Yeah, time. yeah. But well, they, that's the only place you could probably can do it if you want to work and yeah. sort of keep your keep your jobs coming. Yeah, but I, I like I like the idea that it doesn't have to be your exercise doesn't have to look like a marathon. Your exercise doesn't have to look like the CrossFit Games. No way, 
No, I mean, I've and I've just a friend of mine just hit me up about the the benefits of like a burpee, for example. And we do burpees every day, but we just don't realize it, right? right? So if you drop something on the floor, what are you doing? Getting down, picking it up, and standing back up, right? If you you know if you fall over, get yourself back up to burpee in a, just a different form. And it's something that I've tried to really break down for elderly clients that I've got as well. If they fall over, how to get themselves back up. This is what we need to do. Down and then, you know, put your arm to the side and get yourself back up and stand back up. You've done a burpee. So just things like that. And you can do them in such a confined space. Do burpees for 10 minutes and tell me how you feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, um, and you can add and, and increase that sort of stuff. So yeah, you don't have to run a marathon, but you can always keep active. Very simple. Yeah. That's, um, oh, you, we talked about morning routines. That's the coffee machine that I flick on. Yes. So I flick that on and then I walk out onto that rug. And that's where I do my downward dogs and I do my upward dogs and I thread my needle and I, I like it. sit in my squats. It's good. And uh, yeah, and then there's a chin-up bar on the wall in my office. Is it? Hang for a while. Yeah, it's on oh, okay. the office over there. I just okay. hang. It used to be there, but we demolished that wall. I missed that because I would do um, in and outs, which is what the army guys, they have a, I learned this, that army has a, pretty much everywhere where they have those big like full metal jacket barracks. Yeah, yeah. There's a chin-up bar at the end of that before the toilet. Yeah. So anytime you go to the bathroom. you got to do. Got to do 10. Have you been doing that? No, fuck that. <laughs> but when it was here, when it was here I would, yeah. I would either do scat pull-ups or I'd just, you know, just do three, you know. That's very I, – I like that. Yeah. And I'm going to try and put that into – my routine. Yeah, so just put it. You just put a chin up bar again between where you are and where you want to go. I go to the toilet a lot because I drink a lot of water. There you go. That's yeah. Okay. Maybe do it after. Yeah, I'll probably do it after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be an accident. Yeah. Okay. But just putting the, putting the exercise in between where you are and where you want to be, and, and and that it can look like something super super small. Right. Um, yeah. Is is such a such a game changer, and and giving yourself permission, and giving yourself credit. When you do do it, yeah. looking back over your day and go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that was that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Well, and, but even um, I was talking to um, another guy I trained, but he's office-based. Office mm. So he gives himself 10 minutes in between like a meeting or like after lunch where he just stands up and just does squats, just bodyweight squats in his suit <laughs> and then sits down cools down then goes back and does his thing and that's 10 minutes he could have you know he could have done anything he wanted to do like check facebook or mm-hmm. check so whatever yeah. he's gone and done that yeah and you can do that anywhere yeah you really yeah absolutely right? I, I, I always tell people like at some stage today if you live in the modern world you'll probably wait for a kettle or a microwave at one point yep two minutes what yep. are you gonna do right <laughs> you can hold a plank yeah, you can do a push up on the bed, side of the table. You can do anything. Well, I mean, it's it sounds funny, but it's true. Like you can, if, you, if that's what you need to do to start, and like as we said before, like just to train yourself to get yourself back into that mindset. Mm. That's what you got to do. And that we are a, a, a creature that was designed to move. That that does feel better when it does move, yep. and when it's sedentary starts to get into this downward spiral of mental and physical health issues that just tend to compound if we if we let it calcify and um, just get worse and worse and worse. Do, totally. clients, do clients come to you, I guess clients have come to you like, I've just got a new, you know, I've got a piece of pig valve in my heart trying to keep me alive. Let's go, get me fit. Yeah, and 
More often than not, oh, well, I've had a few clients in the past come to me that have had something wrong or go wrong or yeah. on the flip side, they've come to me because they've got an operation coming up. Uh-huh. So I need to be physically fit to get myself through and recover out of the back of that operation, which is very smart. Yeah. Um, as opposed to because they've been guided by the doctor, you, you need to go and get yourself fit before this happens because you can't have it. Like we can't do it otherwise. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I mean it's and it's. I mean the training. I'm only with a client for an hour of the day. I wish I could go and park myself in some of their houses and smack food out of their mouth or tell them they can't do that and and sort of get them up at a certain time. But my job, I guess, with when it comes to one-on-one stuff is to sort of say, okay, well, hey, I can give you these tools, but you've got to be disciplined enough to go and do this yourself. Mm. And as as much it's more on you as it is on me, I'm going to help you as much as I can. But usually when something's happened, it triggers something off in someone's brain that says, I, I don't want to get back to that again. I don't mm. want to be flat down on my back. Mm. I nearly died or I nearly, you know, I've got loved ones that need, that need, I need to support. So it's as much about like, that's when I said like all the money and whatever comes with training doesn't really matter as long as you're helping someone. Like I'd love to help everyone that comes through the door. When you're coaching someone, beyond making sure they do a correct movement pattern so they don't injure themselves. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself having to help them find that why if they're just not kind of sticking to it? Yeah, I've got to remind them um, sometimes firmly, why are you here? You know, what, 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 what's the – there's always an excuse sometimes as well. Oh, I'm not oh, – I've, I've pulled out. I get late, late cancellations like sometimes, you know, an hour before. I'm like, okay, well, why? Oh, I've got this on and this, you know, this meeting's come. I was like, no, like, this is about you. Like, you'd never put a meeting off with yourself if it would mean your health and your longevity and all that sort of stuff. So it's just a firm reminder and you've just got to stay on in, in front of people's mindset. As a mate it's, of mine. It's a hard job. No, I get it. I get it. Well, yeah. Certainly if you're dealing with people, particularly men who are at the stage of their life where – they are where they are because of their, you know, I do what I want. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you've got a, you know, stent in your heart. And, um, right. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not awesome. How, how do we, yeah. Yeah. How do we not let that happen again? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, but, you know, I, I guess sometimes it's all about how do you, how do you speak that language? And um, there's as a, a mate of mine and he looks amazing now. He's a um, heavy hitting uh, in, in banker. Right. right. Heavy, heavy, heavy yeah. hitting. Like, big time yeah and he had this trainer that would be like you miss a session i charge you double yeah not one like you don't pay me the price of the session i charge you double if you miss a session you break your diet you send me it was he was in the uk at the time yeah so you break your diet you send me 50 pounds all right 50 pounds every time you eat something you know you're not supposed to eat yeah because he spoke his language yeah you know, he's, well, and money, right? That's yes, exactly right. Exactly, exactly right. You know? Yeah, you know, there's a reason those guys, you know, have you know, an Aston Martin for each day of the week is because they mind the cents, not the dollars, the cents. Yeah, and, and they know about percentages and they know about all that kind of shit. So when they get, hang on a second, what? <laughs> well, it, and it comes back to like because we do a lot of work with kids. Um, so we're in a couple of high schools with another another business I'm part of, and we do that. We we'll say like, all right, if you guys don't do the workout properly if you don't get here on time. Like it's there's penalties behind that, and you've got to drill that in at a certain young age. You know, you you, you can't go and spend the half an hour lunch break here or there. You, you've got to come back and see us as not as a detention, but more as a just take 
take something that's of value to them. Like, you know, you can't go and play basketball at lunch if you don't do this properly. Like that sort of thing is, is you know, we've got to get down on their level as well. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Say if people listening are speaking of that, say if they've got a kid that they're a little concerned about who is, you know, like me, when I was 17, I was 112 when I was drinking three litres of Coke a day and I was wow. eating, I was, yeah, it was not good. Wow. Like what what works when you've got a, you know, a kid kind of, oh, mum was raising us by herself. She had four boys at home. It was yeah. takeaway. Yeah. That was just how it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. That was just what. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's food in your, because it was, food was cheap. Domino, Pizza Hut at the time, we were able to bring food over. Yeah. Mum didn't have to cook. She'd just crash in bed. We ate. Yeah. We were fine. Yeah. You know, that was it. But yep. what, what's a step that you can take around that if you've got a kid that is, you, you're noticing, start to go down that path? I think if they, and we see it, I guess, day in, day out with our gym, like there's, there's kids that come to us that can't afford to train. So we've got a, a, a program in there that, that's a time-for-time time program. So they come in and train with us um, and we give them our time and they come and give us their time when we do a camp or an academy. So I think it's giving them an understanding of, hey, if you keep doing this, you know, you, you actually can't, you can't go and do the things you want to do um, in terms of if, um, you know, if they want to go and play sport or hang out with their friends or whatever it is. It's like, no, this is a priority. You've got to do this before. Um, so it's trying to take something away of value to them to make them understand the importance of it. Mm-hmm. I think if when you're talking to kids of like 16, 17, find something they like that they're passionate about and sort of enhance that. So if it's gaming, for example, because a lot of kids love gaming and it's like World of Warcraft. Or I don't know if that's if – that's, oh, no, no. Um, what, Fortnite, mate. Fortnite, Fortnite, sorry. Mate, yeah, I don't I'm, think you can play Fortnite while you're running around the block, dude. You can't, but you can act as a character for Fortnite, right? So there's character-based. So if you go, right, what character do you like in Fortnite? What do they do? Well, did you know they need to do this to actually get stronger at that? And whatever that is, that could be like, oh, I've got to carry this big backpack of like ammunition and something around or whatever it may be. Do you know how they do that? All right, they have to pick up this big heavy ball and they do that. So like bringing it back down to that level of going, well, it's a gamified um, version of doing a workout. So we do a lot of that stuff with our kids already. Really? Yeah. So there's kids that come in at one of the schools I'm at and they come in on their phones and they're like, what are you guys doing? And this was... Not last year, last year, end of last year, I go, they oh, playing Fortnite. I was like, what is Fortnite? And I did, oh, this thing started to explode. It's probably been around for a few years, but I'm just late to the party on that. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. What does your character do? Oh, they swing on, like they, they do this sort of thing. They jump off here and there. And I'm like, okay, well, do you know how they actually get stronger at that? 
no? How do you know? I'm like, because I know. And just knowing that, like, I'm the teacher sort of for, the, for that lesson, it's like, okay, well, you need to get on the bar and do give yourself a pull-up or you need to hang on the rings for a certain amount of time. That's how you'll get better at that. So it's trying to bring back and relate back to that gaming sort of level as an example, one example. Yeah. You know, cool. Well, this is what we need to do for that. That's fantastic. So it's, I think it's more just finding something they're passionate about and then going, okay, cool. How do we make that? Yeah amplified in a physical sense yeah tell me about the you asked me about my morning routine and i, yeah. I wrote it was probably longer than i should have uh, no it was good i'm yeah. still going through it all right <laughs> i've got i've got two others that i'm adding into all right, the story right. well, so. that's, it's, all, it's all that those books over there yeah that's what it is that one's the bottom one is just full of fear by the way that's all malarkey but at the bottom one's just full of i don't keep it in the other ones i just just write the list of just the pollution in my head yeah cool i, I write it all out and get, yep. get it out of my brain yeah um What's uh, what's your morning routine like? Mine is interesting. So I, I get up and as I said before, I go to the I, first thing I do is I go to the faucet and I'm drinking for 30 seconds. And I give myself about two minutes after that just to breathe and just to understand what I've got coming up for the day and try and remember a few things. And if I don't remember it, that's what my diary's for. I usually, it's either if I'm going to training, I go straight to whatever session it is and I'll go and get a coffee on the way and start that session. If I'm not training, then I'll jump in the shower. I won't get on my phone and probably till probably half an hour after that, I'll just take a bit of time and just spend time by myself, write down a few things that I needed to do for that day and then go about my business. I mean, it's a pretty simple routine, but yeah. it's, it involves a lot of water, yeah, <laughs> a lot of breathing um, and a coffee. Yeah is generally the the way it starts. It's been talked about on this show before, though. Uh, I'm interested in your take on it. Why is keeping off your phone for the first, I don't know, half hour, an hour? I've been usually probably a couple of years ago, I probably was on my phone. The last 12 to 13 months I've been meditating, so Vedic meditation. So I've got a mantra that I follow and I I follow that mantra twice a day, um, whether that's as soon as I wake up or just after I work out. But I just find I don't want to cloud my head with everything else that is going on because I've got so much other stuff that I need to think about with the amount of businesses I'm running, with my personal life, with everything going on. I don't want to cloud it with anything else um, unless it's an urgent phone call. That's the only reason I'll, I'll be on my phone when I put that down now. But that's the reason why I don't go in there because I'm busy enough as it is. I don't need to compound it yeah. with something else. Uh, Jamie Pride, who came on the show said if you if the if your first thing you touch when you wake up in the morning is your phone and not your lover something's wrong yeah something's wrong yeah and he's right he's yeah absolutely, he's absolutely right 100 percent. yeah yeah I, I often remind it you know in that and I, I write about this in my book heat um the matrix that movie where uh that scene when keanu when we actually come to keanu actually in reality and he unplugs that massive thing out the back of his head yeah I like to think about it. The moment that I pick up my phone, I'm plugging that thing in, all right? Uh, yeah. That's what it is because yeah. then I'm on it. Yeah. I'm on it for the day and I'm hardwired in. Yeah. And I will jump at the notifications and I will respond <laughs> like someone a, a, a 10,000 kilometers from me in America will email me about something, about a podcast stuff and my course of action, whatever I was doing, will now be altered because I'll now have to go and do something else from what I wanted to do. I'm being controlled by a person on the other side of the planet. Yeah. Right, like a puppet, yeah, because of this thing in my hand, yeah. 
And that's how it is. That's it's me for the day. So how much time can I have where I'm just I'm doing what I do, and no one else is, you know, is, yeah. or reacting to something on social media that some algorithm has presented me. <laughs> and and the likely the, exactly right. The algorithms far out. We're we're governed by that at the moment, but we can't escape it. It's just we mm. just have to adapt to it. Um, yeah. And what I've found that's pro- the last year I've had a lot of like self sort of just looked at myself and what am I doing like what's going on and just with technology and things like that yeah I'm up to speed with it to a certain degree but just turning it off at like I've got a notification that comes on at like 8 30 at night and it just shuts everything off so all my apps don't work nothing else works and then it's on at 5 30 in the morning so I'm like in that space I shouldn't be touching it like that's just and it does happen on a, on occasion that I might pick it up if something is needs to, is urgent or whatever. But and I'm trying to turn to reading and trying to turn to things that just push me in the other and just start using the other parts of the brain that doesn't doesn't need to be focused on technology. Yeah. What does what does meditation give you? Oh, meditation gives me so much. Um, well, when I started doing it, it was weird because I, I started to go through a bunch of different emotions that. I haven't felt in a long time, like 35 years of age. I don't know when I started to get emotions like that, but probably at like 15, 16. And um, it just makes me push things to the side that aren't even important or I don't need to put energy into. And the guy that taught me um, in Bondi, Matt, he and I, I regularly catch up with him now every couple of weeks just to make sure I'm on the right track. But he's, it's just, and when I talk about stuff now, it's like, okay, it's released and it's done and it's out and I don't have to worry about it anymore. And then when I'm going through things like whether I'm stressed or whatever, I know that, okay, I've got a meditation coming up. I can actually do that and I can go through that and live that and then it doesn't have to stay with me. Whereas before I was holding the stress and just holding it on and then I was like sleeping on it and I couldn't sleep. Then I'd go and train and I was like, well, that kind of feels good but the thing's still there that I'm worried about. So it just allows me to pass through whatever it is I'm feeling and whether that's happy or, or sad or tired or sore or whatever, I go through it even more. It sounds like it's allowed you to kind of level up in how you do what you do. Totally. Yeah. It gives me a clear head. So That's fantastic. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> how did the um, how'd the men's health thing come about? Yeah, I um, – good question. I said to myself – I just looked at everyone on the cover – you're on the cover as well. I was. Had a great cover. I saw that today, actually. Pretty good cover. And I thought, why not me? Like, yeah. why not me? And I put some goals down and I just wrote down. I said, well, what do I need to do to get on the cover? How long ago was that? That was about seven months ago yeah. to the date. What do I need to do? All right, cover. <laughs> Try and speak to someone in men's health. Try and speak to someone who's been on the cover. Try and read all the articles that are in there and understand what they're trying to do and who they're trying to appeal to and all that sort of stuff. And I went, okay, cool. So I went about networking and trying to find those people. Um, and I, I spoke to a, a friend of mine in PR in, in Bondi and knew a few people in the publication. So I need a meeting with them. I need to just sit down and just tell them what I'm doing. Got my meeting, went and sat down with one of the editors in there, not the now editor, Scotty, but uh, another person. And I said, look, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm about. I run this sort of business. I've come from this background. I really want to tell my story. How do I get on the cover? (laughs) Because that was the goal. 
And then they sort of said, oh, look, there could be a potential to get on the cover, but we also might, might want to do a bit of writing and, and whatnot. I was like, okay, cool. This is a start. It wasn't what I really wanted to get out of the meeting. I thought, well, not that I knew that they were going to go, hey, here's the cover. You can just come and jump on. I went away and just did some trial articles and things like that. And then a position came up as a fitness director and the person before me, Chief, who you know quite well and who I've dealt with on, on, on occasions, um, understood that they were looking for someone else. So I threw my hand up and jumped at it and thought, why not? And put all my, all my eggs in one basket in terms of what I can offer and got the, got the role, I guess. And it's, um, it's just something that's really cool for me because it just amplifies everything that I'm working on. Yeah. And it allows me to talk in you know, forums like this and mm. sort of spread the word of what we're doing in terms of general fitness, kids' fitness, fitness with special needs and, and what I'm doing like within the industry. Yeah. So. And the cover? I, I think it's coming. I don't know. There's only eight a year that yeah. are open. Yeah. Because once you take out Rock, Warbird, <laughs> Hemsworth, right. and whoever the transformation issue is, yeah. there's, there's only eight left. There's only a few left. There's only a few left. Yeah. So yeah. I, I hope I am, I hope, I hope, maybe at the end of the year. Right. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Oh, you got to, yeah. Yeah. Right. So we'll see. What I like about that is that, <laughs> you know, you've just described within the space of a year going from, I don't know anyone that works inside this magazine, but I want to be on the cover of it. How do I do it? Mm. And then you sat down and went, well, what are the steps there? Mm. And then you just followed those steps. Yeah. And then is that the kind of the model of how you've built everything else pretty much? Not really. No? <laughs> so, yes, um, to a degree. Like when I started the gym five years ago, not me, uh, myself and two other business partners, I just did it as a hobby. It was a hobby. I was working for Reebok at the time. I really wanted to do a, a, a fitness space, strength and conditioning. And I just it just made that many mistakes and like we did so many things that we went, all right, cool. Yeah, we'll just open up a gym and we'll exp- everyone will just turn up, <laughs> right? Yeah. You think, oh, I'm going to – I'll call my mates and, you know, everyone said that they're coming. Uh-huh. But no one really showed up. Oh, wow. But not, not in a bad way. Like we still had some pretty good traction at the first couple of years in terms of what we built and what we were doing. But it's hard work, man. Like it's – up until probably four years ago, I went full-time into that arena. Um, I always had like a part-time role. I was working for supplement companies, um, equipment companies and like brands like Reebok and stuff like that. It's a grind. Like it's – and it's just I need to put food on the table. So, I've got to make every post a winner now. Like and if uh, if I don't do – if we don't, don't do something right, why don't we do it right? Don't do that same thing again and just keep, keep going, keep moving. Yeah. So um, – it's, I mean, I'm running, I'm a director of nearly five businesses now. So the CSP gym, the Athlete Factory, um, a merchandising company, a um, nutrition a supplement company. And I've just jumped on as the 440. We've just registered the 440 as a business. So let's, let's, that's extraordinary. Like, cause I've got one business and that's me. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about what the 440 is because that's quite an extraordinary thing that's happening there. It is, and it's ha- it's. I mean, I jumped on. Well, I came down. I first did the 440 two years ago. Uh, let's just tell people. Yes. Tell, yep. Because yep. a lot of people listen from not this city. 
Uh, okay, so, so tell people what it is. The 440 is a run, a free run that takes place every Saturday in Bronte in Sydney. Um, and it's a 440 incline up a hill. And then it's a 260 meter descend. 440 meter. 440 meter climb up yep. a hill. Um, so it's about a 700 meter loop as a run. On the descent, so you come. You go up through the cutting. Yeah. And then back down Bronte Road. Okay. Yeah. And then it's a loop that way. And it's designed by. It was founded by the, the other partner, Trent Knox. So he decided to do hill sprints and then hill repeats. And they did it as a bit of a session one day, and then they th- and then some other guys weren't with him after they, they were doing it for like a couple of months and then they sort of dropped off and he just kept doing it. He was like, oh, this is great. I really just want to keep running it. Started to build a bit of a following around him and there was only like four or five people that were doing it a couple of years ago. I found out about it and I was like, what is this thing? Like, it seems pretty cool. Get up at five in the morning, <laughs> turn up at a dull lit car park and run hills in the dark. And then jump in the ocean afterwards. So is this as many as you can do in an, in an hour? Uh, no, ten laps. So you do ten laps. So it's about seven kilometers, and we usually go for about 40, 40 minutes. So thirty-five, forty minutes. Um, if you can get ten out, great. If you can't, no dramas. So people walk it. People walk it. People walk their dogs. Um, we've had people come with their babies. We've had people just come just to hang out and do like one lap and yeah. just say hello to people. Um, people come just to jump in the water, um, but it's more than the run. It's not really like the run is what brings everyone there, but it's jumping in the water, having a chat with someone, understanding, hey, Osha, you've come down for the for the walk or the run or whatever. What do you do? Mm. And it's turned into this networking um, event that just takes place every week down there, rain, hail or shine. Like we've, I've done it in 20-kilometer <laughs> hour head, headwinds coming up through the cutting pelting down rain, um, come with the sun, sunrise coming up that as you come around the, the, the bend, like it's just, it's an unbelievable feeling. Um, and to get yourself up at, to be there at five is another thing. Cause a lot of people look at and go, oh, I'll never get there at five. Well, why wouldn't you? And it's just tr- that, that what we're talking about before training your brain to get down there and, and sort of do that and turn up. So that's been running for, well, since I've been there for probably about two years, um, probably about three years in its entirety. Um, and now we've got uh, six run clubs. Um, so New York New York launches this week. Um, Where's their the, hill? Around the Hudson. There's no hill. All right. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be a hill. Um, it's just that run that, that happens over there. We've got one in Bronte, uh, one in Byron, one in Corumban, Miami, Melbourne, um, Cronulla, soon to be Penrith, Adelaide, WA. So, um, and LA is probably going to happen next month as well. Doesn't cost anything. Does Doesn't it? cost anything. It's a free run group. So it's about the network as much. It's all about the network. It's all about the people that show up. Network's so, got a businessy name for it. What's it? Uh, community. Right? Community. Sorry, community. Yes, of course. So it doesn't matter what ability you can turn up and run it, and um, we usually support the local coffee shop down at Bondi or you know wherever there is um, coffee getting served at that time. Mm. Um, Did you have to call the guys down at Bronte and go, we're going to – there'll be 300 people there? We've had some issues. Because uh, that's a lot of people putting an order in at once. Yeah. Uh, they um, Bronte can't open anywhere before 7 a.m. Oh. There's a $10,000 fine if anyone opens before 7 a.m. There's uh, residents around Bronte haven't been – So happy. where do you get a coffee from when you're done? We go to Bondi. So we go over to Gusto at uh, Hall Street. Oh, wow. And at 6 a.m., 
when we're finished, after we have a swim, everyone gets over there just, just after six. So there's uh, Cali Press and Gusto gets an influx of people. No doubt. Yeah. So, wow. um, so yeah, that's it's, it's a very cool thing that's happening right now. And it's, yeah, it's sort of, it, it really escalated the back end of this year because we had, we were like, oh, let's get 50. We'll get 50 people. Cool got 50 and then we kind of got everyone just to bring someone and then within two weeks there was 100 then within a few weeks there was 150 then there was 200 then there we got to about 220 230 people um which is phenomenal to get that many people down there at 5 a.m and so you don't because i can't run anymore which kill kills me because yep. I, I used to run 10ks every day that was my thing yep. but then um because i was so big as a teenager, my uh, the neck of my femurs distorted as I grew. Right. And then once I got all that volume of running in, then I my hips just started to eat themselves alive, and I've got of course wild arthritis going on. And, right, right. Yeah, hip replacements next to me. That's it. I've right. Been three different surgeons that all told me the same thing. Yep. Unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I tried to get a different answer, but they all looked at the same scan and went, "Yeah, nah, nah, man. It's nah, not gonna happen. Nah, 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 <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Yeah. This is why it hurts. Um, but it's good to know that I could walk it. Yep, you can bring your dog. Bring Frank. Frank can come down. Frank would love it. So yep. how many how many laps do people get in if they walk it? Oh, it's uh, four, four, four maybe. And that's and then, right. Yeah, jump in the water afterwards, get a photo and come and have a coffee. But the, the community aspect of it, it, it's kind of like what used to happen when I would surf with my friend Steve on a fairly grand scale. And it's the same like with any kind of – accountability around anything really if you say yeah i'll be there yep oh yeah i'll see you next week then you kind of you kind of got to you kind of got to go so and then when it's nice and cozy under your doona in july yeah you know, oh i told todd i'd see him yep i've got to go the alarm's gone off it's 4 30 i've got to go yeah and we and but it happens like week in we out week out we get the the excuses oh my alarm didn't go off or this happened or that happened and but we're always going to be there there's always going to be someone there. So, and there's that's that's what we kind of pride ourselves on that we're always going to show up no matter what. Yeah. You know, and that that's the, that's the good part about it. And what does the, you know, the, obviously the there's there's a fitness aspect of it, but the community part of it, it's the connection with others has got to be it's got to be so important for your own health to be connected with other people like that. Yeah, and just talking to other people. Like just and I think I said to you before, like starting the day, I went and jumped in the ocean this morning, but you jump, you actually jump in the ocean at a, at a time when no one else is up and like you've just run for 40 minutes or 30 or walked or um, had a chat with someone and give someone a pat on the back to let them know that they're, they're going well. And um, that's, that's kind of priceless. Like I can't, you can't really put a price on that because the feeling you get and you watch the sun coming up and you're like, Oh, how good is this? Like it's, you don't get that anywhere else in the world. I don't think. Yeah. We had a guy come to us that had been watching the 440 from my gym. His name's Jim. Um, for a year saying, I want to get there. I want to get there. Didn't want to turn up and finally came and just wrote us this beautiful, description of why he was there and what it did for him and just this simple of just patting him on the back as you go up the hill just made him realize wow this is what it's all about like just things like that make it you know make it worthwhile so how do people start their own 440 
Um, you can start it in any city you want. So you just have to contact us um, yeah. at the underscore 440 on Instagram um, and then we can set you up. And usually we'd love to get someone who's in the fitness industry that w- or someone who is like a, got a PT or some sort of gym base behind them because we want them to turn up every week and drive it. And it's more of a networking tool for them as well. Yeah. An a- acquisition tool for their gym or their business. Or yeah. We've got, we got guys that want to start it that have a cafe. Yeah which is great because then they can come down and run it and then go back everyone goes back to their cafe or their business however you want to do it yeah but um, for, for me when I'm when I'm hearing you describe it from what I've seen when I because I see it on Instagram and I see the chat where it's so much more about I'm doing this thing with a lot of other people we're all doing this together I'm a part of something bigger than me ah uh, the world isn't shit because other people feel the same way that I do yep and that's the that's for me that's the, the core of it really I, that's exactly right it, and it's it's, you're, you're a part of something that doesn't cost you anything. All it costs is your time for an hour on a Saturday or that week or whenever that weekend, whenever they're doing it. And the thing you get back is just you just want to keep going back for more. Yeah. Which is really cool. That's, fant- that's fantastic. Like, I, I didn't know I could walk it. I want to go come walk it. So I'll, you're coming Saturday. I'll come walk it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, okay. All right. I'll, I'll come on Saturday. Or Perfect. Friday night. I can't remember what I'm doing Friday night. Doesn't matter what's Friday night. No, I'm just, I'm just, because uh, I might be finishing. Oh right, okay. A, an hour before you start. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, we finished. We finished at. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we we finished very very late the other night. Very late, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Thankfully, the sun's coming up a little later. So <laughs> the, be- the beauty about it is you've got 52 chances to get there for the year, <laughs> right? And uh, it doesn't matter which one you come to. Like it's you can turn up to anyone. I love it, man. So. That yeah. that's like that's so it's so important, you know. It's so so important, which is why you know over the over the years we've seen recently in the last like I don't know five six years, we've seen the kind of group fitness stuff get really really big mm. because it's about more than you. It's about I belong to something. I'm not just here getting fit. There's also I'm nourishing my mind, making me feel that I'm a part of something with other people here. Yep. Yeah, and is, and that's what. I mean, if you're not sporty in your back, I mean, your background or anything like that, it doesn't matter. You can turn up to this and and yeah. and be welcomed and be, you know, there's no no egos. It doesn't matter what you look like, what you, how you run, or if you walk it, or if you just hang out there. Yeah. Like we get people that come and we get injured people that are coming. Like, oh, I just wanted to turn up to be part of it, to be in the photo. All right. Perfect. Like that's, you know, even if you do attempt to walk it or some sort of attempt to get there, like that's good enough for us. That's fantastic. So, yeah, it's cool. That's super cool. Yeah. That's super, like it's so like for for a, for someone who's clearly got an entrepreneurial mind starting five businesses <laughs> to put so much dedication into something that doesn't bring you any money but builds a community, builds, yeah. puts that spirit into the society that we live in. That's, that's pretty cool, man. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> What's well, bad? And there's another, like Trent, the other guy who, who who I've jumped on board with it. Like we're both in the same mindset that it's just about, that's all it's about. Like it's just getting these, getting people together and just giving something back. I love so, it. That's it. I love it. Man, I'm so grateful you came around. Thank you. Thanks so much for the chat. Thanks for the coffee. Hey, hey, no problem. And make sure you ask your grandma. I'm getting the memoirs. I'm gonna hey, get them. I'll get them on Sunday. I I'll have to ask my aunt, which is probably better because my aunt was older than my mum, so she's got a much better memory about this stuff. But I'll have to ask her where it was. But Yeah. 
chances are that if they all left together, which they probably did, they stayed together. Well, if we know the name, I'll... Yeah. If you get the name to me before Sunday... Yeah, I'll text you right now. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I can't even call her and... Yeah, she's... Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you I'll send you the names, man. And there's every chance that they escape together, which is incredible. Right. Here we are, what, nearly 80 years later. Yeah, right. It's yeah. freaking amazing, man. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming around. I'm going to take your photo, all right? Sounds good. Cool, bud. Thanks. All right, that was Todd Lubinskis. What a ripper. What a good fella. You can find him on Instagram at Toddy Binskis, T-O-D-D-Y-B-I-N-S-K-S. Check out the hashtag The440, The 440. Um, you'll see what it's all about when you just have a look at it. Uh, also, you can find his work online with Men's Health or in the magazine on the newsstand. Thank again for everybody that reached out this week. I really appreciate it. Don't forget, Bachelor in Paradise. It starts on uh, Tuesday night. Tuesday night, April 9. Um, also, there's that gig in Canberra. I'd love to see you this Sunday night. Uh, Will and go on the Gold Coast next weekend. All tickets at osherginsberg.com. Come along, grab a book, grab some merch, come and say hi. We'll sing a song together. It'll be good. Thank you so much to everyone that helped me make the show this week. Rachel Barrett, my uh, fantastic show producer, slash life producer, slash I can't do anything without Rachel. Andy Ma, my audio producer, and Mike Mills, who made all the music you heard today. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for doing this with me. Until we speak next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. 